podcasting from my sex writing cave where all the smut happens in real life in my head or on paper. This is the Smut Lancer Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss writing and creating content about sex and getting paid to do it. I'm your host and fellow Smut Lancer, Kayla Lords. Welcome to episode 35. This week, let's talk about dealing with our mental health while we try to build our Smut Lancing dreams. This is your first time listening. Glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. The Smut Lancer podcast is produced every Wednesday and show notes are found at thesmutlancer.com. Follow me there or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at thesmutlancer. This week's episode is brought to you by QuickBooks Self-Employed. Want to have a better way to keep track of all your income? Do you need help tracking how much you owe in taxes? Are you looking forward to the day when you make enough to even keep up with your taxes? I use QuickBooks Self-Employed for all that and more. It's an invoicing system, a reporting tool, and a great way to keep up with receipts and payments. I use it to figure out how much I've made for the year, to project how much I will make, to keep track of my expenses, and to pay my quarterly taxes. Even if you don't need to do all of that yet, it's great for your tracking your income, no matter how big or small. If you use my special link, you'll save 50% off the cost for a full year. That means you can get access to QuickBooks Self-Employed for as low as $5 a month for a year. All you have to do is go to bit.ly slash smutlancer. That's B-I-T dot L-Y bit.ly slash smutlancer, or just use the link in the show notes. So if you listened to episode 34 from last week, where I said, haha, I had another topic in mind, and then this thing happened, and so we're going to talk about this instead, this week's episode is the topic I had in mind, and this topic is always on my mind because this topic is my life. Um, so we're talking about mental health this week as somebody who is trying to navigate mental health and the things you want to do with your life, whether it's your side hustle or your main job or just you want to have a successful blog, and a few things of note here. First of all, I really am going to attempt to keep this to 30 minutes. I don't know if it'll happen, but I'm going to try, which means we cannot possibly have the full conversation on mental health as a smut lancer, as a blogger, as a creative person in this one episode. So it is not the full conversation. There's probably going to be a lot of things left unsaid. Um, I want to use this as the start of a conversation. So once we have this one in and we've started talking about it, then when we talk about it again in subsequent episodes or in blog posts or wherever, we have we have some place where we've already started with some established a sort of a baseline. Two, I want to say that none of what I'm about to talk about should be taken as professional or medical advice about your mental health. We all have our own experiences with this from a little bit to a lot. We all have very unique circumstances where, you know, for as much as we are all similar, we have a lot of differences that we have to navigate. So none of what I'm about to say is meant to pertain to your specific situation in a blanket way. It's not medical advice. It's not psychiatric advice. It's all of it is based on my own experience and what I've learned to be true for myself. What I'm hoping is that some of this will apply to you in ways maybe you haven't considered before. Or better yet, if you are out there coping with mental illness in whatever way you're having to cope with it, it will give you a new idea, a new perspective, hope. It will, you know, whatever, hopefully whatever it is you need most right now, you will get some little bit of that. That is what I want. Primarily, and this is why I talk about my own mental health fairly openly in every format I have, and God knows I have plenty of those. Part of it's because it's who I am. It's just as natural to me as breathing. I'm not going to pretend I don't um, experience these things. Part of it is it's a little bit like when I found out I was kinky and I'm submissive. 
uh, I make a lot more sense to myself with the diagnoses I've, I've got. Um, once somebody who is professionally trained went, yes, you have a mental health issue and here, here it is, here's, here's what you are. I, I didn't personally have this moment of, oh no, that's a personal failing. My thing was, oh, thank God. Now, now everything up to this point in my life makes a lot more sense. And part of it is just like we talk about sex in different ways in order to connect and normalize and feel less alone. That's why I talk about mental health. So I am not starting off this episode thinking I have any of the answers. I barely have answers for myself, so I certainly don't have answers for anybody else. But if we can start the conversation and find common points of connection and we can be reminded that not only are we not alone, but the things you want to do as a smut lancer, as a creative person, as a writer, as a, a whatever you're doing, they are possible through the lens of mental health and mental illness, wherever you might be in that. Um, but like I said, I don't have answers, barely even for myself. So what I do want to talk about um, are some of the things that I have discovered as truths for myself that I hope can be helpful to you. So in 2016, my mental health took a turn for the absolute worst. Um, things that had been normal my whole life, always feeling kind of anxious, always worrying. Uh, I'm an absolute perfectionist, few OCD tendencies, um, what I thought might be bipolar disorder, but I wasn't quite sure. All of those things became the worst they'd ever been in my whole life. They had never been as bad as they were in 2016. Um, to the point that I did a thing in, ended up being in July, June or July, June of 2016, that I don't like to do even now, and I'm mostly healthy. I called a stranger and made an appointment because I couldn't function anymore. And in my life, I am the main income earner. If I'm not working, bills don't get paid. Things don't happen. Everything falls down. Um, so I take my health in general much more seriously than I did say five years ago. Um, and so I knew something wasn't right. I had all of these dreams and things I wanted to do and I could barely function. There were times getting out of the bed was an impossibility. Um, not necessarily just depression. There was a lot of extreme anxiety. I was hyperventilating and panicking at things that in my mind didn't make sense to be panicking over. Um, I was just a flat mess. And I finally picked up the phone and called a therapist that I had found on um, the Kink Aware Professional site through the National Coalition of Sexual Freedom website. I will link to that in the show notes page. It is a link I give out as often as possible. Uh, I used it to find both my therapist and my accountant. So, you know, there it's a, it's a pretty good site. Um, but I got, I was very fortunate that I live in an area where not only was he listed as a kink aware professional, he also took my insurance. Um, but it had gotten so bad that I probably would have attempted to see a therapist that didn't take my insurance just to get some help. It was that bad. I couldn't function. I couldn't work. It, it was, it was, it scared me. And I finally got to a point where my own mental health scared me and I was willing to do something about it. I panicked before making the call. I panicked on the call 
I panicked after the call. It was a rough, rough moment. It was bottom for me. And it still took eight weeks to get in to see him. It was that bad. So for me, we're you're hearing the sound of my voice bare minimum late October 2018, right? So it's been a two-year journey. Um, I am still learning about my own mental health. I'm still figuring out the cycles. I'm still figuring out where some of it comes from. Um, a lot of it for me personally seems to stem from my childhood. Um, it is um, things that I learned and, and pathways formed in my brain from things that happened that I'm just now at nearly 39 starting to deal with. So um, that's my particular path. The, these are the truths that I believe at this moment in time as we're recording are true for me. Um, we all have our own path. So so everybody knows, so we're, we're talking about, you understand where I'm coming from. Um, I was diagnosed, I'm very high functioning, except when I bottom out, but um, I have bipolar disorder, generalized anxiety, social anxiety, and very high functioning OCD. So high functioning in the sense that I have certain things I have to do in order to not freak out. Like I am terrified of locking myself out of the house. I've never done it. I don't know why. Um, so I have to jiggle a, a doorknob a certain way, a certain amount of times. And I have many times gone to my car, come back and jiggled it again, just to make sure that I either locked myself, locked it when I meant to, or didn't lock it if I didn't mean to. Um, I also have the oven thing where I will convince myself I've left the oven on. That was at my low. I don't have the oven thing right now, but it could happen at any point. I know other people have OCD in a lot of other ways that um, absolutely are crippling to their lives. It's hard for them to function. I am very fortunate, knock on wood. It's just little quirks that I recognize, but don't overtake my life. I, anxiety, on the other hand, can absolutely overtake my life. Um, I've been a worrier all my life. To me, it's just normal to have some low level range of worry in the back of my head. Um, but I'm also a perfectionist and I can be very cruel to myself and say very, very mean things to myself um, when I do not feel like I am doing things perfectly. Um, and I have what a lot of us have of when I think I can't be perfect at it, it's very difficult for me to move forward. I am getting a lot better at that. Some of that is years of experience in doing this work. Some of it has been the therapy. Social anxiety um, was crippling for a while. I didn't want to leave the house. Poor John Brownstone, who's like, uh, we're, we're going to go a munch, right? No, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in this house. I'm not going anywhere. Don't ask me to talk to anybody. Now it hits mostly at times of high stress. So I'll give you an example, as much as I adore Eroticon, love it, can't wait to go for 2019. Even in 2018, when I had John Brownstone with me, I was doing a lot better with my mental health, like things were greatly improved. Um, I still had time where the idea of facing people um, made me sick, just made me sick. And at one function at the pub on Saturday night, there were so many, it, it was packed for lots of reasons, but it, I mean, I, I was, if John Brownstone hadn't gotten me out of there when he did, and we found a way to go sit in a quiet corner, I probably would have had a panic attack in the middle of a pub. So it does still hit me. Um, but it's not like it was at rock bottom. Uh, I've been bipolar apparently my whole life. I just thought that was normal. I thought I was a moody human being. Uh, my ideas and my goals come from my mania. And then when I hit a depressive low, it's like pulling the plug and I just have to lay still until it passes. Um, 
So that's my perspective. We all have different perspectives. We all have different experiences with mental health. Some people will have things much, much more um, serious than I do. Some will have less, some, we, we all, this is not a competition, but I did wanna let you know where I'm coming from with this. So I started working on all of those things in earnest in 2016 with my therapist. And over time, these are some things that um, I have learned, I think, to be true for many of us, if not most of us, if maybe not all of us, but certainly more of us than we might realize. So the first one is that once your mental health begins to impact your life, your daily life, your ability to just function in the world, personally or professionally, ignoring it, certainly does not help. It doesn't make it go away. I spent a lot of lot of time saying, I need to buck up. I need to stop being such a wimp. I need to get a better backbone. I And I used a lot of just really mean language with myself. I have a mean girl voice in my head who sounds a lot like not a girl, but <laughs> like my childhood. Um, and I would do that. I would do that mental beratement of you're, you just need to suck it up. What the hell's wrong with you? What the hell's wrong with you? And so I couldn't, I wasn't even ignoring it because mean girl voice in my head. Um, but it was also getting worse. So when you find yourself in a place where not only are you maybe thinking negative thoughts or maybe you're, you're having these experiences, but it is actively getting in the way of your life and your ability to just move through the world please, 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 I beg of you, do not ignore it. Ignoring it, it only gets worse the longer you ignore it. I'm sure that I should have been dealing with these things in 2015. And I waited until I got the worst I'd ever been and couldn't function before I did anything about it. And if you learn anything, anything at all, I, I beg of you to think of that. So there are a lot of ways to deal with it. Not everybody has um, the best access to a health professional, a, a mental health professional. Um, take what you can do. Um, I know there are some texting services where you, you pay like a monthly fee that is minimal compared to what you get access to. Um, I have not tried any of those, but I have heard of those. Um, seek those out. If you do have access to care and, and decent enough insurance, um, use it to find somebody. Like I said, I'll link to the Kink Aware Professionals um, site on the National Coalition sexual freedoms website um, for you to look at to see if you can find anybody in your area. Um, I am doing well with cognitive behavioral therapy. I hate to say CBT because all the kingsters are like cock and ball torture. Really? No, no. Behavior cognitive behavioral therapy, talk therapy works very well for me. I have great friends who are on medication. There's no perfect one right answer. You should do what works best for you. No shame in uh, medication, y'all. Take what you can get access to and can afford and that works for you. No shame about it. Just do what you need to do. Um, the other thing I've learned, and this one was probably the strangely the hardest lesson to learn. A high functioning mental illness is still something that has to be dealt with. I spent years, I would read these articles and I go, yeah, I kind of see myself in that description of depression or that description of bipolar disorder or that description of anxiety. But it never, until 2016, leveled me flat where I couldn't function. I could function through it. I was miserable. I was exhausted. I was a fucking basket case, but I could power through. 
So I would tell myself, well, clearly I'm fine. And that's when the mean girl voice would go, just suck it up, just suck it up. No, no. So if you identify with, well, you're high functioning or you're likely high functioning, so you should quote, just be fine. Take it more seriously than that. Um, here, I've got two kids I'm raising and we, in my family, nobody ever made it sound like mental health was a bad thing to deal with, but it was a non-topic. Nobody talked about it either. We didn't make fun of anybody. My parents didn't use language like, oh, they're crazy when they were truly talking about somebody with a mental illness, but it literally just wasn't talked about. It wasn't a topic. It wasn't a thing you even thought about. Should have seen my mother's face when in a moment of just annoyance with her over it because she was like are you sure are you sure I like blurted out every diagnosis I'd been given and set her back on her heels because it was that much of a non-entity um I think the thinking being that if you were tough enough you could tough your way through it and that's bullshit um but high functioning mental illness is still mental illness and so with my children let me back up get ahead of myself um, we treat the fact that I go to therapy appointments no different than when I say, oh, I had to go to the doctor today and get a flu shot or I had a, a well visit or whatever. It is so matter of fact. Um, when I'm not feeling good and it's because of my mental health, when I can't, when I'm having a weekend where I can't get off the couch and you have to leave me alone or I'm very, very nervous, I'm very matter of fact with my kids. You know, mom's feeling really anxious right now. Uh, mom's not not feeling so good. I'm I'm feeling kind of down and sad. Or you know, and if they ask, I will explain it to them in kid friendly terms. Um, we do a thing at night where we talk about our day. And if I had a therapy appointment that day, I say to them, "Today I had a therapy appointment." And the first couple times, the oldest, who's 13 now, he kind of knew that that was weird that I would talk about it and that, uh oh, what did that mean that mom went to therapy? And so he would ask, and I would treat it very nonchalantly like I need to do this to make keep myself healthy just like I would go to any other doctor um and my kids know especially the oldest who is old enough to to talk about these things with me in more adult-like terms um that anytime they're not feeling good in their mind or their head or even their their thoughts are making their body feel yucky then we will go talk to somebody about that like it's just I don't care how high functioning you are. I treat it like if I would go to the doctor because I've got a sinus infection and I need an antibiotic, I will go to the therapist to deal with these things rattling around in my head. And um, that brings me to my third truth, which is that taking care of my mental health to me is as important, if not more so, than taking care of my physical health. Um, and I think if more of us thought about it in terms like that, maybe we could have a healthier relationship with it. And Granted, society is certainly not um, helping. They make it really difficult. It's, you know, astounding when any of us talk about it, right? Because we're told that it's not real. It's literally all in our head that we should just suck it up. And all those things, we hear it all the time from the culture around us, from society around us. So, of course, we internalize those messages. But I have learned that... I cannot do the things I want to do. I cannot be productive in my professional life or my personal life. I cannot even be present with my children or John Brownstone if I'm not taking care of my mental health. And so I will actually prioritize a therapy appointment <laughs> over any other doctor's appointment, which probably isn't good either. But that's how I view it. And that's how I kind of wish more of us would view it. 
case in point, I had, I had to skip a thing with a client. And when I told them that, you know, what had happened, I, what I said was I, I was sick. I'm unable, I'm sick. I'm unable to do that. I didn't tell them what kind of sick, but what it was, was I had hit a depressive low and anxiety had decided to tag along. Oh, fun times. Um, and I couldn't function. And I recognized that I couldn't function. And instead of uh, pretending that it was nothing, I treated it like I would have if I had gotten tr- like physically sick and had to go lay down in bed. It, I, it was the first time I've ever done it. It was a very weird feeling. I did not go into details with that client, just like I wouldn't go into details if it was the flu or a sinus infection or a whatever it might be. It just go, I was sick. and. I think if I could hope anything for anybody out there hearing my voice is that you would one day feel more comfortable doing that too. And, and, and not feel like you have to explain yourself necessarily, but you know, I'm sick. I can't do this. It, that, that's the nature of it. Um, the other truth is that mental health is something that has to be navigated all the time. Um, pretending it doesn't matter never ends well. Um, thinking that it's been magically cured I haven't come across anybody yet who's like, I'm magically cured of my mental illness. Um, I know of people who have radically alleviated their symptoms. Uh, for me, it's a very cyclical thing. Since therapy, since uh, other things I've done, I've gotten my physical health um, where it needs to be, better at least. Um, the cycles are long, longer. They I go longer between cycles. And then like if I hit a, uh, if I, hit a manic depressive episode the mania is less high the depression is less low um i can talk myself through anxiety better than i used to be able to um but it's it's still going to come in a wave the it's not going to last as long and i'm going to get i right now at least knock on wood i get a lot more time in between the waves but it still happens um every time i've thought to myself "Ooh, maybe it's over it hits me like a big truck on the highway. It basically flattens me because I convince myself that I don't have to worry about it anymore. And then it goes, hi, we're here. We would like to make you worry about all the things, including the oxygen you breathe. Ah, Have fun. Um, So uh, I think that if we just recognize that even at our best, it's not something necessarily that we can just forget about. We can just pretend doesn't exist even when we do get better. and the, um, that falls in line with the next part of the next truth that I've learned for myself is that being patient with myself um, is one of the best things I've ever done. Just acknowledging I have these mental illnesses that are part of who I am. Um, maybe I can head them off, you know, when I can feel a cycle coming on. Maybe I can't. Sometimes all you can do is just breathe through it and get through it as best you can. Um, use, you know, self-care tricks that maybe you've, you've got for yourself, things, you know, that work in the past, you know, I've read a lot of things that I know a lot of, um, anxious people who will create like a list of things that help them. And then they post it where they can easily see it, like in their bedroom or their bathroom or something. So when they're in the middle of an anxiety spiral and their brain's not remotely thinking about those things, that list is right there. They don't have to think about it. It's already there. I've, I've read about several people who do that. Um, right now I don't necessarily need that. I'm doing well enough that even in the middle of a spiral, I can think clearly enough to go, oh, this is a spiral. We have to do something about this. Um, but you know, whatever tricks work for you, I, people use those tricks. But I think that 
the best thing that I've been able to do is to find patience with myself, that it is not a personal failing, that I will get through this, that, oh, I have hit a depressive low. This means everything pretty much needs to stop as much as I can. How do I lighten my schedule? Um, what, what obligations do I say no to or delay a little bit longer? And don't, I'll apologize to people I've inconvenienced, but I will not apologize for the need to delay a thing. So thankfully working for myself means I'm mostly responsible to myself. The things I said I would do are mostly things that only I know that I was going to do them on that schedule. Uh, case in point, I had, I'm doing a review of a writing tool thing that hopefully I'll get to talk about soon. And once I'm done with my review, um, and I meant to do it a couple weeks before and I hit a spiral. I think it was anxiety. <laughs> I didn't get it done. And the person followed up and said, Oh, Hey, you said you were going to do this in September. So I didn't go into the details with that person. It wasn't any of their business, but I said, Oh yeah, I got delayed. Things didn't go as you know quickly as I want to apologize for that. I'm getting on it you know, in October. And that's all they needed to know. So, you know, apologize for the delay because there was an expectation, but patience with myself to say, you know what, that, that can wait. My mental health is important enough, or my mental health has given me a very limited bandwidth for this week. What are the things that I absolutely have to figure out a way to get done? I don't have a choice. And what else can be delayed and pushed back? And being and forgiving myself and being patient with myself and understanding that in these moments, life slows down and I have to let it slow down because if I attempt to push through and power through, I actually personally make it all last longer. So it is much better for me if I go, whoa, 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 whoa just slow, just slow down. Okay. Can I, can I let go of anything? Can I just not do anything? What, what? Where, where can I go with this? And that's how I do it. Um, the other part that kind of goes along with that is that having a mental illness and being a creative person and working for yourself and working on goals, they can all function together because you find tricks and you find ways and you forgive yourself and you're patient with yourself and you slow down. All these things I've already talked about, right? But suffering for our art doesn't actually help us create better art, okay? I think the the people in history who created beautiful prose or beautiful poetry through really, you know, bad moments in their life. I really think they're the exception, not the rule. I think we have celebrated those people too much. So we think that is legitimately the rule. I promise you the crappiest writing I'm ever going to do is when I'm forcing myself through a depressive low or I'm frantically typing through anxiety. Okay. Now, sometimes you don't have a choice. Like in my case, sometimes I'm on deadline and if I don't get it done, I don't get paid. And if I don't get paid, that that money might pay our mortgage. I have to figure out a way around this. I have to find a way through. But when we do have those choices, um, trying to push through is not always necessarily the best thing. Some people, some people, they find it helps them. And if it helps you to be in a depressive low and to have purpose and to maybe go um, write something or journal or create something and that helps you, I say go for it. I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll give an example in my own way. The other weekend I hit a really bad depressive low. Like I said, that was coupled with anxiety, fun times. Um, and the only thing I wanted to do was to work on my cross stitch, which I've talked about very briefly in the past. It's not embroidery, but it's needlepoint. So it's in the family of embroidery. Anyway, 
it's very soothing to me because it requires, to me, it requires no thought. I have to be able to read symbols, know my colors and count to 10. And that's all I have to do. And it's, and it's, I can see progress as I move forward. And it was the only thing I wanted to do the whole weekend, because when I was doing that, I wasn't feeling lethargic. I wasn't angry at the world. The anxiety calmed down. And anytime I got interrupted for any reason, I was a snarling, raving mess and couldn't function. So it was a creative endeavor, but I could never have written even a paragraph through that. Nor do I think that the only way to be creative and to express myself is to is to do it through those moments of misery, which goes back to the don't, you know, if you can, when you can see, seek help for the mental health that you're dealing with, because you you'll be, a, in my opinion, a much more functioning human being, certainly a happier one instead of forcing yourself to suffer for your art. I don't think that that's necessary. The next truth is that um, modifying what you do, your life, your schedule, your routine, what you say yes to, the work you do, that's not a weakness. And I'm gonna speak specifically from a business perspective. Um, from the smut lancing perspective here, because this is how I have to live my life now. Um, now that I am finally much healthier mentally than I was compared to 2016 and physically, I went through an ulcer and a disc problem in my neck and chronic pain and some like serious like issues for about six months there. Now that I am feeling physically good and mentally good, I protect that at all costs because I have learned that for me, I cannot achieve the goals I have set for myself. I cannot build a business. I cannot create content. I cannot come up with new ideas and then execute on those ideas when my health, both physically and mentally, is shit. Like I, I cannot do it. So certain things you can't predict, but some things you can. And what I have learned is that taking care of myself and listening to my body and my mind and modifying my life around those things has been one of the best business decisions I've ever made. And it's not a weakness, okay? So here's what that looks like in practice. I would like personally to be able to be around and involved and talking to people on social media through my blogs, everything, all the time. Okay, I'd like to quickly answer emailed questions that I get. I'd like to answer uh, messages I get on Twitter. I'd like to talk to people on the weekends when we're all kind of around and just sort of hanging out on Twitter. I would like to do those things, but that doesn't work for me anymore. I have to have times where, and I think even the most mentally healthy people need this too, personally. I have to have times where I shut it down, where I don't really look at Twitter and I don't go online and I put my phone to the side and I ignore the business side in order to do things that calm my mind down. So for me, that's stitching or it's reading on the weekends or it's watching movies with my kids. But I spend nearly every weekend now completely ignoring my phone. Now, here's what that does for me personally. It reduces anxiety because I tend to be a person who's like, oh, look at all these interesting things that other people are doing. Why aren't I doing those things? Which that's not good for anybody. Um, it gives me a break. It lets me recharge. It means that when I get back to it on Monday, I'm fresh. Now, I think that's probably generally good advice for all of us, but this is in terms of mental health. 
by doing that, when I wasn't doing that, when I was trying to keep up with everything, especially social media and talking to everybody all the time through the weekend, that is what filled my mind. And so if anxiety was going to latch onto that, I was going to get spun up into perfectionism. Well, you're not doing this and you're not doing that. And why aren't you doing this? And I would turn a small thing into this absolute bundle of anxiety. And I, I could barely function come Monday. When I hit a depressive low and I have no energy for it anyway and I have no desire for it, it is much better to honor that depressive low and put those other things to the side for a day or two and move through the depressive low than to attempt to keep up with everything and a few things happen to me when that does. One, I feel like I'm an utter failure at it. I'm not doing any good at it because I don't want to be doing it. And what is not wanting to be talking to people say about me? Well, actually, I'm depressed at that moment. I don't want to do anything. And that's just the nature of that moment. Um, or I will give an answer I wouldn't normally give. I won't be compassionate when that's what I want to be. I won't be empathetic when that's what I, that's how I prefer to live my life because I will be so lethargic. I might not care. And I might just say, whatever, fuck it. That's not who I am under most circumstances. That's not who I want to be. So it is better from a business standpoint in my mind to give myself those times off. If I'm feeling good and I've got a lot of energy and I can jump on Twitter and it's not freaking my head out or I can answer emails or I can look at the workload that I've got, the workload I give myself and not just be overwhelmed by it, then fine, I'll tackle it. And that's cool. I, I do those things. But the moment I realize that I can feel this, the tendrils of anxiety or I know I've hit a depressive low, those usually hit me like, a, like I said, like a truck. Like they just smack right into me and I go, oh, somebody pulled the cord. I have no, nothing left to give. Um, that's what allows me to then come back on Monday, sometimes Tuesday at full force and give everything I've got, which is much better than whatever would happen if I tried to force my way through it when it's not good for me mentally. So modifying how you work in whatever way works for you and whatever it is you're trying to do to give your mental health space to get through that cycle, to get through that moment, to find, you know, whatever it might be. Sometimes we do have to work through it. Sometimes we don't have a choice. You know, we have to live, we have to eat, we have to pay the bills. But where you can, I think, and I have found personally that I come out better for it when I'm there 100% while I'm 100% instead of forcing my way through at 10%. So there's that. Um, I would also say that another truth I learned was that both my physical and mental health have forced me to learn patience where I am not naturally or normally a patient human being. And it's not, <laughs> it's not my default. I'm usually a very impatient person. And some of that is actually fueled by anxiety. Um, so I have learned that um, sometimes when I'm feeling impatient, it's because I'm scared of something. And usually it's, I'm scared of my own uh, perceived failures and failings. And as I've learned to sort of deal with those things, um, I've kind of been able to let some of those things go. Uh, nothing is, you know, 100% or perfect. So bottom line, your experience with mental health is yours and unique and nobody can ever with a microphone or a recording of any sort tell you what is right for you. I 
only want to show what might be possible depending on how you've maybe been viewing this, you know, what prism you've viewed your mental health and how you work as a smut lancer through it. And hopefully, hopefully, bare minimum, let you realize that you're not alone in this, that many of us are going through our own version of these things, um, that maybe there's hope if you were feeling like maybe there wasn't. If I can give you any amount of hope, I want to do that for you. Um, if I can encourage you to find something that will help you um, navigate your life with mental health and mental illness, um, I, I hope to do that. Um, I'm here. You can always reach out and talk to me by email or through social media. Um, when I am protecting my mental health, though, I get very quiet and sometimes sometimes responses have to wait. Um, that that's just a thing that I've learned to do to, to safeguard myself. I have to be in the right space mentally in order to answer those questions or to respond or to to try to help anybody else. If I can't if I'm not helping myself, I'm not any help to anybody else either. So. I don't have all the answers. Um, I don't have any answers. I barely, I have truths that I know that are true for me right now in late October, 2018. A year from now, six months from now, five years from now, I might've discovered other things. I might've gone through things that I can't even fathom right now and the truths will change. Um, probably the only constant in life is that everything does change and that we can't predict anything no matter how much we try. Um, but. For those of you out there who do um, have a different, you know, have diagnosed or undiagnosed mental illness of any sort, you are not alone. Um, you, I don't think you need to be ashamed of any, this is just part of who you are. And sometimes our, our biggest weaknesses can also be a source of strength. And if that works for you, then I hope, hope that you are able to live in that way. Um, if you uh, love somebody, know somebody, work with somebody who uh, has a mental illness and that they have to navigate, I hope this helps you understand it in a, in a new way with a different perspective that sometimes we're not saying no to things because we wanna be difficult. We are protecting ourselves and we are taking care of our health. Just like you don't want us coming into an office when we have the flu and giving it to everybody, you should also want us to take some time to take care of our mental health so we can be 100% when we're back in the office or engaging with you or interacting with you or whatever it is. So um, that's all I have for this week. I hope somebody out there found it helpful. I hope if nothing else, somebody out there realizes that they're not alone because you're not alone. Many of us are going through this. Um, and every time I'm lurking on Twitter, that's another thing I do. I lurk on Twitter and I don't say anything because my head's not in the right spot. Um, and I see one of my Smut Lancer friends going through it. My heart goes out to you. Um, I send you all the virtual hugs that you consensually would like. Um, but yeah, you can always reach out and chat with me about it. I will talk to you as soon as I am able to, uh, especially on this topic. So that's it for me this week. Thanks for listening to the Smut Lancer podcast with me, Kayla Lords. If you like what you just heard, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you are listening through Apple Podcasts, you can review each individual episode if you'd like. Uh, and check out the blog, past episodes, and other great information at thesmutlancer.com. You can follow The Smut Lancer on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm at The Smut Lancer in all three places. Feel free to reach out there or just email me at Kayla at thesmutlancer.com with questions, topic suggestions, just to chat, whatever, whatever you need. Uh, thanks for listening and let's do this again next week.